Luke 21. We're going to start at verse 28, and we're going to read through verse 36. These are the words of Christ. Jesus said, now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. And when they are budding, you see and you know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. For assuredly, I say to you that this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, that that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things, that you will come to, that, and it will come to pass and you will stand before the Son of Man. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, the entrance of your word brings light. It gives revolu- uh, revelation to the simple. I pray that today, Lord, that you would speak a word in season to your people. Lord, that their hearts may be attuned to your voice and their ears ready for that trumpet. For whenever it sounds, Lord, we know that we want, uh, we want you to receive us whenever uh, you call. So, Lord, I pray that our hearts be ready today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Well, praise the Lord. Well, good morning. It's good to see each and every one of you today. How many of you are glad to be here? Praise God. We're excited that you're here, and uh, we're finishing up our series. As I mentioned uh, earlier this morning, we, uh, we got through the Thanksgiving holiday, and so I hope that all of you enjoyed that. Did anybody, any of you enjoy that turkey and the dressing? Come on. If you ate stuffing, I don't know about you. Come on. I said, did you enjoy that, that turkey and dressing? Praise the Lord. How many of you... How many of you didn't enjoy getting on the scale the next day or two? The armor of God sure is heavy. Amen? Hallelujah. You just keep telling yourself that. Well, we're excited about that and the fact that many of you got to spend the holiday with family. But uh, last week, like I said, we were iced in. But this week, we're back and we're going to resume and conclude our series, The Apple of His Eye, with the message today that I've entitled, Israel, God's Prophetic Time Clock. Israel... God's prophetic time clock. This month, we've been studying about God's relationship with the nation of Israel in relationship to the various things that the Bible says are going to happen in the end of days. And so this morning, we're going to continue down that path. We've been looking at the land covenant that God made with the nation of Israel. Who does the land belong to? It belongs to the seed of Abraham, and uh, which would be Isaac and not Ishmael, as what the Scripture tells us. And so the fight between the Middle Eastern brothers, which would be Islam and Judaism, there's been a fight from the very beginning. But the Holy Land belongs to God's people. Amen? Hallelujah. So we studied that. We've been studying some other things. But this morning, I want to talk to you about God's prophetic time clock, the nation of Israel. You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, nor does it take an expert to understand that the world that we live in today is deeply in trouble. 
this world that we live in is so fastly changing at a rapid pace that literally the world that we're in now is a world that didn't even exist 10 years ago, okay? Everything has sped by. Technology and so many different advancements that have happened just within the last decade has uh, been absolutely crazy. Uh, but, but God, in his infinite wisdom and power in his word, begins to tell us about some things that will happen as the last days come. So uh, Luke 24 and, uh, or I'm sorry, Matthew 24 and Luke 21 are two synoptic passages, parallel passages where Jesus is describing what will happen in the last days. And when you look at this, I don't know how any one of us can walk away with a different mindset or mentality than the perceived outcome. We see, as the scripture says, nation will rise up against nation. We see that today. The word uh, nation there in the Greek is ethnos. It really speaks about different ethnicities will rise up against each other. We see uh, that in the world scheme, racism at an all-time high, rioting in the streets. We see that this world has been ravaged by pestilence. COVID-19 literally changed the face of the entire world economically, physically, and politically. It's ravaged. Jesus said in the last days there would be pestilences in the earth. We also understand that the, the, the sun, the moon, and the stars, and everything that has to do with the atmosphere has changed. We've had colder days than we've ever had, hotter days than we've ever had, tornadoes and earthquakes and tsunamis in, in diverse places as the earth is getting warmed up to receive her soon coming king. The Bible says in the book of Romans that the whole earth is travailing and groaning, waiting on the manifestation of the sons of God. The earth is positioning herself to receive her Messiah. That is absolutely what's happening in the world right now. We see war that's impending on every front as nations have literally their fingers on their nuclear buttons daring somebody to push the button. We've got hotheads like, um, like Russia, and we've got people in China and uh, North Korea, and literally they are just waiting to push that button to start some type of cataclysmic nuclear war. When we see all of those things, it's easy for us to think that the world is falling apart. I want you to know something. The Bible says that all of these things are the beginning of sorrows. He said these things, when you see them begin to happen. He said, the end is not yet. It's like a woman that is getting ready to give birth. She has labor pains that begin slowly. Any ladies know what I'm talking about? They have contractions that begin to slowly escalate over time as her womb is getting ready to birth forth that child from her holding, from her womb. And so he uses that illustration to tell us that the earth is, is in the same way. It's groaning and it's, it's all coming together. So I want to encourage you this morning that as we look at all of these things that happen in the world, I want to submit to you that the world is indeed not falling apart. You say, Pastor Brad, how is that? How is the world not falling apart? Well, if you look at it with the wrong set of eyes, you can see that the world is falling apart. But I want to submit that the world is not falling apart. It's falling into place. Jesus said that all of these things would happen. And aside from all of that, we see it. 
we see wars, rumors of wars. One big one, Matthew 24 says, and many shall be offended. Hello. We see that as an end time sign in the world today. But Jesus didn't stop there. He begins to tell us about another thing that we should be looking for. And we find that in our text this morning in Luke's gospel, chapter number 21. Go back with me and let's look at it again together. Luke 21, verse 28, Jesus said, talking about the wars, the rumors of wars, the pestilence, all these things. Notice what he said. He said, when you see these things begin to happen, that's when you need to look up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all of the other trees. He said, but when they're already budding, you know that summer, uh, you, you know yourselves that summer is near. And so also when you see these things, know that the kingdom of God is also near. He says, assuredly, I say to you, the generation will by no means pass away till all these things pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And then Jesus gives them an admonition to take heed to themselves, lest their hearts be weighed down with fear, carousing, drunkenness, and all of those things. But what I'm trying to point you to this morning is Jesus said, when you see all these things, you need to look up, start getting ready. But he said, I want to tell you one other thing. He said, I want you to look at the fig tree. Somebody say fig tree. Now, the fig tree in the Bible from Genesis all the way forward is a symbol according to the prophets. We see it start in Genesis, and it goes all the way through Jeremiah, and it goes through Ezekiel, it goes through Haggai, it goes through so many different prophets who reference Israel and the the law and the Hebraic people has been referenced and associated with the fig tree. Jesus said, if you want to know when the end is really about to happen, you need to stop looking at the war. You need to stop looking at CNN. You need to stop looking at Fox News. You need to stop looking at who's in the White House. If you really want to know when the end is near, Jesus said, you better get your eyes on Israel. You better look at God's prophetic people and see what season and what hour that we're in. There's so many things that we can say. Psalm 102 verse 16, I love this scripture. Here's what it said. It says, for when the Lord shall build up Zion, that's Israel, that's Jerusalem, he shall appear in his glory. In other words, what the psalmist was trying to say was speaking to the end of days when Israel would be, again be a nation and Jerusalem would, would be the capital of that nation. So we see there that God begins to speak about the nation of Israel coming to the forefront again in all of these things. I referenced a few weeks ago that in the end of days, God will fix his focus back again on the nation of Israel. The church has not replaced her. Indeed, Paul wrote to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 11 that God has not replaced his people Israel, but that she's blinded now for a season until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Somebody say the fullness of the Gentiles. Now, what is that? That started on the day of Pentecost when the church of Jesus Christ was born. The Jews initially rejected their Messiah. Jesus uh, birthed the church. The Holy Spirit came, and the season of the Gentiles was opened up. Now, anybody could be saved that would call upon the name of the Lord. Doesn't matter if they were Jew or Greek, slave or free. There's one new man in Christ. That's what the Bible began to teach us. But uh, Jesus also, as he's talking about these things, he encouraged encourages us that really when we want to see what he's doing, we need to look at Israel. 
And folks, today we see God beginning to do some great things in the nation of Israel. And we're going to look at these uh, here in just a few moments. But I want you to consider something. In Luke 21 and Matthew 24, Jesus begins to talk about three things. First of all, Jesus in his Olivet Discourse. In Matthew 21 and Luke, uh, Matthew 24 and Luke 21, uh, Jesus starts off with the destruction of the temple as he's sitting on the Mount of Olives talking to his disciples. And he looks at them and he looks at the temple and he says, not one of these stones will be left standing. They'll be on top of each other. The beloved temple that the Jews worshiped in and indeed, Jesus was correct because in 70 A.D., Titus and the Roman army came down, surrounded Jerusalem, seized it, set it on fire, and many of the Jews were dispersed. They did not return again, many of them, until 1947 when the Jews started coming back to their homeland after it was established again after years and years and years of not being in existence. So we see that, that Jesus is talking to them about the destruction of this temple. But then he says, uh, the disciples say, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of the end of the age? And Jesus begins to answer these questions. And so here's what I want you to get this morning. We have a Jewish Jesus speaking to a Jewish audience who is telling them about what will happen to the Jewish people at the end of the age. You got to keep that in context in Matthew 24 and Luke 21. Jesus is speaking to them uh, as a Jewish person to the Jewish people, speaking about what's going to happen to the, the Jews during that time. And in Matthew 24 and Luke 21, Jesus, now stay with me, I'm giving you a lot of information. Jesus describes what's about to happen to the nation of Israel in the last days. And Jesus makes a statement. He says, beware when they say peace and safety, for suddenly they will take seas of you. They will deliver you up to tribulation. He's expounding upon the days that the prophet Daniel talked about in the book of Daniel when he said that there was coming a seven-year period upon the earth called the time of tribulation. Daniel talked about it. It's a time where Israel is being redeemed by the Lord. I want you to look at what the prophet Jeremiah said about these seven years. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, it says, Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it, and it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. The Bible tells us that the, the Jews, the God's people, many of them are going to become saved through the tribulation period. The prophet Daniel said it'll be a time like it's never been upon the face of the earth before. Uh, it'll be total chaos, total lawlessness, total anarchy, because the influence of the church will be removed, and now the Antichrist will try to come in with false peace. He'll come in with false answers. He'll demand his image to be worshipped, and he'll demand allegiance in every way. Ultimately, demanding that the people that are still here take a mark called the mark of the beast. Uh, people have debated on what it is. Is it a tattoo? Is it a microchip? I don't know, and I don't want to be here to find out. 
But here's what I know. I know that you got to have it to buy or to sell or to trade or to survive, basically, during this time of a one-world government. Jesus said those things are going to begin to happen. People are going to be killed. They're going to be tortured. The prophet, uh, or rather John the Revelator, spoke about this in uh, the book of Revelation, starting in chapter 5 going forward. He describes the plagues, the pestilences, the people that will die during this tribulation period. It is absolutely horrible. Though these three and a half years, the first half, are described as lesser tribulation, the last half is described as greater tribulation when the Antichrist defiles that temple that's been rebuilt and declares himself to be God. The Bible says those last three and a half years will be time on this earth like nobody has ever been uh, succumbed to or experienced before. It is a time that is absolutely, positively going to be terrible. Friends, there have been movies about it. There have been books that have been written about it. But nothing, nothing will compare to the wrath of God in that period of time where his judgments are being poured out upon the earth. The purpose, one of the sole purposes of this seven-year tribulation period, as Jeremiah said, was the time of Jacob's trouble because God will get a remnant out of Israel and Paul's words in Romans 11 will be true that all of Israel shall be saved. God is going to shake Israel like a salt shaker into his hand during the great tribulation period. There will be 144,000 people preaching the gospel of the kingdom. There will be two witnesses who are killed and resurrected who will be teaching this message. There's going to be people, angels, flying in the sky proclaiming the message. God is not going to withhold anything from these Jewish people who will give their lives to the Messiah during this time of great tribulation. Now, folks, listen, I don't want to be here during that time. The Bible describes it as the finality of earth as we know it. The last seven years of human existence on this blue marble planet as you and I know it right now. The Bible says at the end of those seven years, the physical, visible, literal second coming of Christ will come where he will establish a new heaven and a new earth and the judgments are going to take place in the millennial reign, all of these beautiful things that we see uh, in the scripture. But friends, I'm telling you, I do not want to be here for that time. But I've got some good news for some people in this room this morning. Though the prophet Daniel and the prophet Jeremiah described these last seven years on earth as something like the world has never experienced. The Holocaust can't hold a candle to what's going to happen during the reign of the Antichrist. The, all the wars of the world will never hold a candle to what's going to happen during these seven years of tribulation as the wrath of God is poured out upon Christ's rejectors and the lost and, and God's fury will be felt like no other. But I believe, my friend, there's one more thing. There's one more thing that's going to happen before these dark days. There is something that's going to happen. Friends, that event is the event of all events. Paul called it the great catching away, the blessed hope. The rapture of the church. Now, I know there's some people who don't believe in the rapture. That's okay. 
You don't have to believe it. But I'm telling you, Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, and he said, but you, beloved, that day will not overtake you as a thief of the night, for God has not appointed us unto wrath, but unto salvation. Friends, let me tell you something. When Jesus comes, he's coming back for his church. It's going to be glorious time. But listen, the Bible says that it's going to be something that's going to happen, and it's going to happen quickly. That's why the admonition is given not only to the Jewish believers who would later become a part of the church, the disciples, but it's also given by Paul to the church at Thessalonica. He tells us about this time when Jesus is going to come. Here's the admonition. Paul gives it to us, or Jesus rather gives it to us, and Paul gives it to us. But Jesus gives it to us right here in Luke 21. I want you to see this. Verse number 35, he says, For it will come as a snare on all of those who dwell on the face of the earth. He says, watch therefore and pray, and always that, that you may be counted worthy to escape all of these things that come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Now I want to stop right here and drop my plow and preach to you for a few moments because there have been some people in, in times past who have criticized those who believe in the rapture of the church. They've called us escapists. They've called us uh, people who don't want to deal with the facts. They've called us people that, that don't want to suffer and come through anything. Listen, the Bible says in this world you will have tribulation. But listen, the tribulation that's going to happen in these seven years is not going to be like the tribulations you and I experience right now. It'll be when the wrath and fury of Almighty God has been released upon the earth. And the Bible says, Jesus says, you need to watch and you need to pray that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things and to that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I want you to know something. If Jesus said I ought to pray that I be worthy to escape, then friends, I'm going to pray that I'm worthy to be escaped the things that are coming upon this earth. Listen, there is coming a day where the Bible says that the trump of God will sound. Listen, I believe that the, the lips of that angel, I believe the lips of that angel are on that silver trumpet right now, looking down over the grand stand of heaven's sapphire seal, looking down upon this earth, waiting, waiting, waiting patiently for the call of, of God the Father to say, son, go and get my children. The Bible says the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and the dead in Christ shall rise first and those who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord with the air therefore comfort each other with these words Paul tells us that Jesus is coming for his people I'm excited about that this morning <laughs> folks this world as we know it is not our home so many people are in love with their stuff, their things. But let me tell you, this world is not our home. Jesus tells us that his coming is going to be sudden. It's going to be like a, like a thief in the night. It's going to be swift like the lightning flashes from the east to the west, like the blink of an eye. And he also tells us it's going to be soon. The question I have to each and every one of you this morning is, will you be ready when Jesus comes? Some of you will be, but I don't know about everybody. The coming of the Lord is referenced by Christ and the apostles 
many times. In fact, it, it seems to be a theme if you read the scriptures. The question is, why is it so many people today, they don't talk about it? Watch Christian television today. How many sermons have you heard about the coming of Christ? Turn on Christian radio. How many, how many speeches or how many admonitions to be ready when Jesus comes are we hearing today? Hello, somebody. Would you turn on TV today? It's about how you can get a bigger jet and a bigger house and a bigger all these things. But yet people are lulled to sleep today. When Jesus' admonition to the church is to not be sleepy. Don't be sleepy when Jesus comes. When the master comes in the middle of the night, he, he, you don't want to call and find his servant sleeping. People need to get ready for when Jesus comes. If you're taking notes this morning, here's a few things I want to tell you. The first thing Jesus tells us, he says you need to be watchful. In Luke 21, he tells us, look at the fig tree and all the other trees. When they're budding, you know for yourself summer's near. See also that when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Jesus tells his disciples to be watchful. Somebody say, be watchful. See, it's important for us to understand the times and the seasons in which we're living. We're to look at the fig tree. We're to observe the signs of the times. See, the fig tree, which would begin to bloom and blossom again, speaks of a time after the destruction of the temple. We know that because in 1948, Israel was uh, established again as a nation after years of not being in existence. And then later in 1967, uh, Israel was the capital. This is significant because all of the end-time prophecy concerning the return of Christ has to do with Israel being a nation and God's people inhabiting that nation and Jerusalem being the capital of Israel. That's why the prophet Zechariah said that when Jesus comes the second time, he will descend upon the Mount of Olives. He will come down through the Kidron Valley. He will go through the Eastern Gate and sit on the throne of his father, David. The Bible speaks of Jerusalem being the capital of Israel during that time. You and I, we see that and it's very significant. Jesus said the generation that sees the fig tree blossom and bloom will not pass until all these things come together. Listen, I'm not here to set dates. I wouldn't even try. Jesus told us not to. But I do want to share something with you. If, if then God's prophetic clock for Israel started in 1967, most people are not 100% certain on the length of a generation. Some people said 50 years. Some people have said 120. Other people have said 70 or 80. I want you to know something, that if 70 and 80 is the normal, we could be closer at looking at Jesus coming than we possibly have ever been. Folks, listen, here's what I know. Even if it's not until five more years, 10 more years, we don't know. Jesus told us not to be worried about the day or the time like that, but I'm just telling you that this prophecy can indeed be fulfilled in our day. It's possible We need to be watchful of the signs of the times. But let me say this. Doesn't matter how 
far in the future it is or how near in the future it is when Jesus comes. We need to be watchful, not only of the spiritual signs, but you need to be watchful when you drive. Put the phone down. Because if you die, you'll see him sooner than later. Be watchful. Watch how Israel is being brought to the forefront again. She's established as a nation. God is indeed defending her. All of the uh, nations like the Russian bear and the kings of the east being China. And we see uh, Gaza, which is the, uh, the Palestinians, which is the remnants of the Philistines, which the Bible talks about. All of those nations are beginning to set up siege against Israel, which is what the Bible tells us about. And what did Jesus say? When you see these things, you better start looking up. You better start looking up. You better start watching. Because in an hour when you think not, the Son of Man is going to come. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be. In the coming of the Son of Man. For in that day they were eating, drinking, and giving in marriage until the day that the flood came. They weren't watching. They weren't observing. Noah was trying to warn them. I, I, I know that it hadn't rained traditionally in that sense uh, until the day of the flood. The Bible says in Genesis that the fountains of the deep were opened up and, and, and God sent out the rain. But before then, the, the dew would rise in the morning and water the earth. They had not seen rain like they had ever seen it before. But Noah warned about them, a flood's coming, a flood's coming. You better get ready, a flood's coming. And I know there was probably a strange smell in the air that day as those storm clouds begin to rise in. And Noah, the Bible says that nobody else came in except Noah, Ham, Sham, Japheth, and their wives. Eight people got on the ark, and the rest of the world public, uh, perished in judgment that day. They weren't watching for the return of Christ. Friends, we got to be ready when Jesus comes. So Jesus tells us to be watchful. But here's the second thing he tells us. I want you to look at the text. I want you to look at the text this morning. Luke 21 it tells us to watch for the fig tree. Let's look at verse number 34. He says, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and that, that this day should come upon you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the whole face of the earth. I want to stay right there in verse 34 and verse 35 for a few moments. Go back to verse 34 and look what he says. But take heed to yourselves. You need to understand who he's writing to here. In, in Luke 21, he's writing to his disciples. And he's speaking prophetically about things that will come to pass. And, and Jesus tells them, you need to take heed to yourselves that your hearts are not weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the cares of this life notice this that that day come on you unexpectedly you know what i'm afraid of i'm afraid that when jesus comes it's going to catch some people off guard say pastor that can't ever happen to me well jesus is warning his disciples he's warning his disciples 
not to be cast, not to be cast down, not to be weighed down, not to be so caught up with the cares of this life. Say, Pastor, I don't know about that. I told you, Jesus talked about this so much. He said, the kingdom of, the, of, of heaven is like this parable of ten virgins, five wise, five foolish, who had their lamps, and they were waiting on the bridegroom to come. And, and it was their responsibility to have their lamps trimmed and filled with oil because uh, in Jewish culture, um, it was unexpected when the bridegroom would show up. In fact, there would be a messenger that would blow a trumpet and say, Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And the Bible says that at midnight, the, the, some of these virgins, they were sleepy, and, and they were uh, just caught up with the events of the day. Maybe they were tired. They were weighed down. And what happened? The Bible says that the bridegroom came that night and said, the door is open. Come in to meet him. And some of those virgins, five of them who were foolish, they didn't get enough oil. And they were scrounging around at the last minute saying, oh, I got I to gotta get in. I got Let me borrow some oil from you. And the other five who were wise said, you can't borrow from us. You should have went out and got your own. And guess what, my friend? They weren't able to come in. The Bible says he's coming back for those who are waiting for his appearing, whose eyes are on the sky, who are waiting, number two, who are alert. Jesus said, be watchful. The next thing he said is be alert. Somebody say, be alert. Jesus said to his disciples, watch this, watch this wording, but take heed to yourselves. Take heed to yourselves. Do you understand what that means today? To, to take heed to ourselves means to check yourself. Come on, look at your neighbor say, check yourself. You need a self-evaluation. Take heed to yourselves, Jesus said. Do a self-reflection. Look internally. Ask yourself the question, where am I at with the Lord? Paul said a man ought to examine himself to see if he be in the faith. Take heed to ourselves. And he warned us not to let our hearts be weighed down. Carousing, drunkenness, unrestrained living, partying, the cares of this life. Leave that verse up there. Jesus said, take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down, carousing drunkenness in the cares of this life, and that that day come on you expect unexpectedly. Jesus is trying to give them some admonition here. Guys, listen to me. Here's what he's trying to say to his disciples, his followers, those faithful who were there gathered around listening to him. Jesus said, when I come, it's going to come quickly, it's going to come soon, and it's going to come suddenly. And I don't want you to get caught off guard because there are people who are going to get caught off guard. And that day is going to overtake them like a thief in the night. And Jesus said, I don't want that to be you. I want you to watch, be ready, and pray that you could escape these things and to stand before the Son of Man. And so, listen, Jesus said, I want you to, to, to not let your heart be weighed, weighed down with carousing. Carousing is an old word. We don't use it a lot today. It speaks of living a life of revelry. In other words, a partying, carefree life. Jesus is speaking 
to the people who are here, and he says, don't get weighed down like they were in Noah's day, who were eating and drinking and going to the party, to and fro, to and fro, to and fro. You got so many people in the church today, they know what time the party is, they don't know what time the prayer meeting is. And I truly believe that if we really believed Jesus was coming, we'd care more about the prayer than we would about the party. Hello, somebody. He said, don't let your heart be weighed down with running to and fro, carousing. And then he says, drunkenness. And the Greek word here literally, it literally means what it means. It means intoxication. And folks, I want to let you know this morning, you can be intoxicated with way more than just alcohol. So many people are popping pills today and they have to have something to wake up. They've got to have something to go to sleep. They've got to have something to chill their life. I'm not talking about medicine that people need. Understand, I'm talking about self-medication. I'm talking about things that because their hearts are weighed, weighed down, they've got to have a little something to make it through that this life. And Jesus said, you need to be sober-minded. He said, you need to be sober-minded. You don't need all these things clearing your, clouding your judgment when I'm getting ready to come. You've got to be sober-minded so that that day doesn't overtake you like a thief. You say, well, pastor, okay, I, I, I got you. I'm not a partier and I'm not a drunkard. Well, you know, he kind of lets everybody have it, this next part. And then he says, and the cares of this life. You may not be weighed down with carousing. You may not be weighed down with drunkenness. But I would suppose today that there are some people in this room who are weighed down with the cares of life. You're weighed down with the cares of life. Listen, Jesus put us in this world. We're not of this world, but we're in this world. We're a light to this world. But as I said momentarily, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Everything we work for, everything we esteem, all of our accounts, our investments, all of our cars, our boats, our RVs, all of those things that we esteem value to, the, the, the Apostle Peter said in his epistle that they're going to be melted with fervent heat. And God's going to renovate this earth with fire. I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. The Egyptian mummies used to, the, the Egyptian kings who are now buried as mummies used to think that they could take their wealth with them. So they were buried with all of their rubies and all of their gold inside the pyramids. But whenever they went and they excavated those things, not only was the mummy still there, but the treasure was still there. Listen, Jesus said, you better worry about treasure that you can store up in heaven. Treasure that moth and rust don't corrupt and that thieves cannot break in and steal. Because everything else is wood, hay, and stubble. If it doesn't matter, for Jesus and it doesn't equate to souls and the advancement of his kingdom. All of our earthly achievements, my friends, really mean nothing. The cares of this life. Notice I said Jesus was talking to his disciples. I don't get mad at sinners. You know why? Dogs bark. Cows moo. Come on, somebody. Roosters crow. And sinners do what? 
I expect sinners to cuss. I expect them to commit adultery. I expect them to lie on their taxes. I expect them to be unfaithful. I don't, I don't even get messed up about that. I expect that. That's what un an unregenerate man or woman who doesn't know Christ does, okay? I get all of that. But Jesus wasn't talking to the lost in this picture. He was talking to his disciples. And this morning, as your pastor, I'm talking to you. Because I want you to be ready when Jesus comes. He said, don't be weighed down with the cares of this life. Listen, let me just stop right here. All of us have responsibilities. All of us have bills to pay. All of us, unless we're retired or in high school, have a job that we have to go to. Jesus isn't talking about neglecting our responsibilities, but here's what he is saying. He's saying, don't let your responsibilities in this life weigh you down so that you miss the coming of the Lord because you're too weighed down with burdens that you're not putting God first. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are people who will drive home from, from Norman from a football game. Hello, somebody. And they'll drive home and get home at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning and go to work the next day, but will not stay in church past 12.15. And yet you want to tell me you love Jesus. Yet you want to tell me that you want to have a home in heaven. But you won't worship down here. When you get to the funeral home, they can press a smile on your face. But I think they ought to leave it like it was in church. Hello, somebody. Hallelujah. If you're excited about Jesus coming home, it's going to show on your countenance. If you're excited about Jesus coming, it's going to show in your worship. If you're excited about Jesus coming, it's going to show in how you give to missions. Friends, listen, I'm telling you, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. If your relationship, and I'm not talking about marriage here, I'm talking about your boyfriend and your girlfriend. If that relationship is wearing, wearing you down, listen, that's not the right one. Get your eyes back on Jesus. If your job has become your God, friend, that's not the right one. Get your eyes back on Jesus. If your hobby keeps you out of church and fellowship, that's not the right one. You need to get your eyes on Jesus. Let the cares of this life fall off of us this morning because we've got to be alert when Jesus is about to come. Your lamps have to be trimmed. You have to have oil in order to make it when Jesus comes. Hello, somebody. I just feel the witness in my spirit today to tell somebody in this house that when Jesus comes and we stand before him, he's not going to check the roll book of the church. He's going to check the Lamb's book of life. There's a lot of people in church, but they're not in Christ. You say, I don't believe that, Pastor. I've been in church my whole life. Yeah, you sing the song, and you know the dance, and you know this and that. Jesus gave us a parable, didn't he, about the wheat and the tares. They look the same until harvest time. Hello. Got to be alert. And then he said, you got to be ready. Somebody say, be ready. Oh, you got to be ready. You got to be ready when Jesus comes. 
Watch therefore and pray that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that, that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Look how important that is, where Jesus tells us to be ready for when he comes. We got to keep watch. We got to be prayerful so that when, when he comes, when he calls, when that trumpet sounds, that we are ready to meet the Lord when he comes. Hallelujah. That's powerful. See, he said, get your eyes on Israel. When you see all these things happening, you better look up because he's coming back for his bride. Hallelujah. There's a lot of people who say, Pastor, I don't believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. I believe in a post-trib or a mid-trib. Well, here's what I want to tell you about all that. It'll all pan out. I want to go on the first load that's ready. Amen? But the way that I see it, as I look at Scripture, the, the church is not appointed unto wrath because she received her Messiah who, the, who had wrath of God already poured out upon him. And there's not a judge on this continent that will try somebody twice because that's called double jeopardy. Hello, somebody. Well, let me tell you something. The bride of Christ is going to be called up to meet the Lord in the air. And then whenever he comes at that end, the book of Jude tells us that, uh, that he is going to come with ten thousands of ten thousands of his saints on white horse to execute judgment on the nations. I'm telling you right now, I want to be ready when Jesus comes. Just like the ten virgins who didn't have their oil ready. You're not going to be able to clean out from under your mattress when Jesus comes. Your drugs and alcohol, you're not going to be able to throw that out real quick before Jesus comes. You're going to have to be ready. He said there will be two in the field, one taken, one left. Two in the bed, one taken, one left. Friends, I'm telling you, it's going to be the event of all events. That one day, and I believe it's one day very soon, that Jesus is going to call for his bride. One day, those of us who are alive, when this event happens, our feet are going to lose Earth's gravitational pull. Faster than a wheel has ever spinned upon an axle. Faster than a lightning bolt has ever flashed from the east and the west. Faster than a blink of an eye has ever occurred. We're going to be caught up together. Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, and he says, and they shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. That word caught up there, it's the Greek word harpazo. It's Latin. It's where we get the word rapture from. It means to be snatched up suddenly and with force. He said you got to be alert when he comes, and you better be ready. You know, I'm talking to some people here this morning. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. If you're saved, you're saved. But there may be some people in here you're backslidden. 
you've walked away from Christ. You're off the path. There may be some people here today. You don't know Jesus. You know about him. But you don't know him. Concerned about you. Everybody in here will testify. Because I I try my best to treat everybody the same. As a shepherd, as a pastor, if I don't see you for a Sunday or two, a Wednesday or two, I'm texting or calling you. Where are you at? You okay? I miss you. Where are you at? I see heads shaking all across the building. Why? Because I care. I care if you make it to heaven. Man, it's so important. Parents, I need you to hear me this morning. Grandparents, I need you to hear me. Listen, I don't mean this to be harsh at all. Because, man, I, I believe we're to be a light and shining in, in the dark world. I'm thankful for Tim Tebow's who are Christians and have a witness in the sports arena. I'm thankful for those people. I'm thankful for Christian coaches like Coach Zollinger over there. I'm, I'm thankful for for people who love Christ. I'm not preaching against sports. I'm not preaching against any of that. But listen, if, if, if all of that becomes more important than God to your children, listen, your children know you better than anybody. Let me tell you, those children know that dance practice and cheer competition is not optional but they know church is because you've been teaching them that for the last 15 years of their life pastor that's legalistic no it's not no it's not listen as Christians we need fellowship instruction we need to be a part of the environment that God has called us to I had somebody one time they said well I'm in nature so I'm in God's sanctuary okay okay whatever whatever Praying over a ball game on a Sunday morning at a ball field is not the same as being in church. You can call it a devotional if you want to. It's not the same. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You spend all that time investing in those children, getting those accolades, getting those awards, getting those things, and guess what? If they're not ready when Jesus comes, what's that going to matter? What's it going to matter? going to matter a hill of beans the day of eternity the day of judgment is going to be so sad you know the book of revelation and you, you can close your bible I'm done this morning after the judgments are recorded in the book of revelation at the end of the at the end of the, the thousand year reign we, we see Paul, or John, rather, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked this morning, but we see John's revelation, his vision. He says, I saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband, right? He sees this vision of this new Jerusalem coming down to earth, and he begins to describe what it's going to be like in heaven. And here's what John said. He's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
before they enter into heaven. You know why I believe that's there? Because I believe there will be some tears at the judgment. When people realize what they could have had, when they realize what they could have done, when they realize who they could have reached. Listen, I want to be ready today. I want to be ready today. I want to invite you all to stand on your feet with me this morning. You know, I felt such an urgency to preach this message the way I did today. You know, Jesus' words were important. They wrote to a Jewish audience. But I want, I want to read in closing before we dismiss and go to the fellowship hall. I want to read in closing Paul's words to the church at Thessalonica who were not the Jewish people. They were the Gentile church. Look at what he said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 10. He says, but concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord should come as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then suddenly destruction comes upon them. Somebody say them. So he's making a delineation between two groups of people here. He said that suddenly it comes upon them and labor pains as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they, somebody say they. So we've got them and they here, right? And they shall not escape. Look at verse 4. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that this day should overtake you as a thief. For you are all sons of the light and sons of the day. You are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others. Sounds familiar like Jesus, doesn't it? But let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Look at verse 9. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or whether we sleep, we should live together with him. Paul tells the church, watch and be ready so that day doesn't come upon you. For God's not appointed you to wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. I want every head bowed, every eye.